Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My name is Teal Wicks and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the Broadway leading lady that's belted her way into the hearts of audiences, earning herself a global fan base of loyal followers. She originated roles in both The Share Show and Finding Neverland on Broadway, alongside playing the lead role of Elphaba in Wicked in the LA, San Francisco and Broadway productions, alongside playing Emma in Jekyll and Hyde. She's also appeared in Carousel and Pippin. And this February, she's set to star in an exciting new season by Abingdon Theatre Company, perfectly titled The Broadway and Bowery Season. So here, in an exclusive conversation, we discuss playing Cher alongside the legendary Stephanie J. Block, how she wouldn't be able to return to a role like Elphaba again, keeping up belting during the pandemic, her love and respect for Take That's Gary Barlow when they were developing and playing in Finding Neverland, and how she's learnt to love the beautiful individuality of her unique, and top-tier voice. She's the belting Broadway goddess of Teal Wicks here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Teal and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Broadway superstar incoming and one of my favourite voices who I surprisingly do actually know rather a lot about. So I'm going to embarrass myself now by telling her all about it. The smiliest face in the world. Hello, Teal Wicks. How are you? Hello. I'm so excited to be able to get to talk to you today. And I was just saying before we started recording that you and I actually have more of a connection than we realise. So I've just shown you a photograph, which I'll put on social media and so people can see of the one and only time that we've met in person but this isn't where our sort of non-official friendship which obviously after today we're going to be complete besties so it'll be official official yeah. will <laughs> will have started so this is when you were doing Finding Neverland which is when I came to Broadway for one of the first times obsessed with the show we'll talk about it in a second but uh. you were also in the share show which I also interviewed you on a very strange phone line where I could just about hear you and I felt like I was shouting at you the whole time oh so my gosh. I got to talk to you then <laughs> But also, Finding Neverland started its journey, which was very different to the production that you did, at the Curve Theatre in the UK, which is where I'm from. So I basically feel like I am just William Wicks. Can we just say that? Can we just be like sisters? William is that Wicks. okay? 
it's it's like what is the six degrees of separation we're not we're like two degrees but isn't that true the whole six degrees thing in the theater world is actually true it's like i do know you like in a weird way or i've met you or it's it's sometimes quite strange it's really really strange stephen schwartz has been somehow like a part of very significant steps in my career but like in ways that i don't think he knows at all my very first job when i moved to new york after i graduated from college moved to New York and through some family friends. My first job was an usher at this theater on 42nd Street. It's an off-Broadway theater called the Little Schubert Theater. And the Mm -hmm. musical that was there, that was the show I was the usher for, was called Captain Louie, which was a Stephen Schwartz musical with like mostly for young kids and whatnot. And so that was my very, very first job. And then my very first equity job where I got my equity card and my first lead role in any like professional theater was in Pippin in uh, yes. Good Speed Opera House. Yeah. Uh, and I played Catherine. And then of course, then Wicked happened. But I just, it was like, they were very big steps in sort of my New York career. Steven Schwartz was a part of it. So I'm like, Steven, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> like, what's next, please? Well, he's always yep. writing. I have I have he's had, writing. quite hard thing to say, I have had the pleasure of having him as a guest on Eleven. And one of the things that we discussed was the fact that once you start writing, you can never actually stop. You know, you're always a creative. So I imagine, you know, in five, ten years' time when it happens, I'll be like, look, we basically manifested the fact that you and Stephen Schwartz are best friends now. So We're best friends, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad this has started off as such a serious interview. It's like, yeah, no, we're just all best friends. We're all best friends. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing about theatre. It's community. That's I why that. I miss it so much right now. I just miss being in spaces with all these creative, beautiful people and just having fun and trying to make something meaningful. Does the pandemic mean that you have to keep working on your instrument? And this probably sounds like such a basic question, but like, do you have to remind yourself that you can belt for the gods? Because obviously we all love it when you do that, but do you have to sort of like keep rehearsing it? Yeah, I, I don't I don't sing very much, not nearly as much as I used to, <laughs> because I don't have to. I basically, if, if I have an audition or I'm doing like a random, we've done a lot of, you know, Zoom concerts and mm. things. Um, I've done a few in-person singing things. And anytime those come up, I'm like, oh, wow, I have to, ooh, we got to work on this. And because I, I live in my New York apartment, um, you know, sharing walls and ceilings with all these other people and everybody's at home right now. And my husband works, he's he's not in the theater world. He has a corporate job, but he's been working from home the whole time. So he's like on conference calls all day and our walls are very thin. So I have to like try to figure out when I'm going <laughs> to sing in between his conference calls or I have to leave the apartment and go get like a studio space somewhere because I was like, I really need to belt. I like don't know if I can belt. Like, can I hit these notes anymore? I have no idea. So it's it, it, it's a back and forth. I Sometimes I'm good. There was a time where I was like, I'm going to do a warm-up every day, or at least like a few times a week, just to do a vocal warm-up and all of that. And then I stopped. I just gave up. I was like, eh. But it was interesting. There was a moment where, because I wasn't singing all the time for work stuff, I found a new joy in singing. Like I sort of went back to when I used to just sing for fun, sing to the radio, sing along to songs and just sing, sing, sing for fun. Because when you're doing it as a career, yes, you're singing for fun, but it's 
uh, you know, it's it's kind of everything's. A, I'm more aware. I'll be like, ooh, should I be singing this? Should I save my voice? Blah, 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 blah. And I've sort of re-embraced the joy and freedom of just singing to whatever I wanted and being able to sing it badly, or sing it loudly, or something. You know, like there's no the critic, the singer technique, career-driven critic is silenced, and I'm just like ah singing for fun. So, I don't know, it's been it's been interesting during the pandemic. I am definitely nervous of whenever a show comes back into my life that requires um, stamina. No idea how that's going to happen. Ooh, she's going to be you're hard. You're going to have to do the Beyonce sort of trick of belting on a conveyor belt, isn't it? Like when you're running, you're going to have oh to sort of God, steal yeah, the... Right? You've got to get it back into... Because obviously it's not just standard saying, you know, which is a complete talent in itself. It's everything else. And, yeah, and, you know... Acting, saying words, <laughs> having to talk to people, run around like crazy, maybe do crazy quick changes, all, all the things that you kind of, when you haven't been doing it, you sort of, I at least I forget, impressive <laughs> what I actually have done in the past. I'm like, oh wow, that was actually, that was cool. Good job. I did that. Do you have that a lot Bravo. in your career when you think about back to specific roles, you know, if it is Jacqueline Hyde or if it's the share shows, stuff where you think like that in itself was a very specific physical part of my life that would, I'd have to train for. Yes. Oh goodness. Yeah. It's it, even with, um, I mean, Wicked is, you know, it's Wicked, it's Alphaba. She's uh, a sort of a completely different beast. Um, but because I've, I've done that, I know what it takes to do that and I'm at the point where I was like oh I'm too old I'm too tired I don't have that that is for the young <laughs> the young ones um, but even with I think of Finding Neverland for my character Mary Berry the costume design of her I would jokingly say I almost was getting in drag because I, I they really wanted her to be very, very curvy, very like the Gibson girl hourglass silhouette. So I had a lot of help and pushing up of the of the bosom area and like had I put uh what did we call them? I basically put hips on, okay. like fake hips on. And so I was getting, I've never really had to do, I've never done that at a show. And just the physical act and the way that I would walk and sing and talk with these artificial things added to my body and to all of that was very different. And it definitely had some physical effects on my body that I was like, oh, I did not expect this. And wow. And doing it eight times a week and having to put those like chicken cutlets in and the, I called them like, I think like T-bone steaks or whatever, because these like hip things that were very well made, but very awkward to put on with a dresser, basically holding them to me while I'm pulling like spanks over them. So they all stay in place. It's a completely different type of workout that I never expected. So isn't theater like that. so glamorous? I know that's the thing. <laughs> so like, sexy, being like, yeah, pads it's not. And <laughs> like, oh. it, is, it is like sweat and just people are everybody's up in each other's faces and other places just because you got to get up close and personal. And because it's theater, it always has to happen very, very fast. There's no, There's no like, such thing as a slow change, is there? That doesn't exist in theatre. No, that doesn't exist. <laughs> but God love Broadway, you know, best place on earth. But it's, oh. I mean, it's exhausting. I was I was recording an episode with Lizzie LaFontaine, who is starring in the West End production of Moulin Rouge. And she was saying mm -hmm. like, it's great fun. And it's like the best job in the world. But oh my gosh, afterwards, she is 
like, nobody speak to me. Nobody talk to me. I just need to go sit in a dark room. It's so intense having not done it for like 18 months that your body is like in shock in a way. And I, you know, I sort of feel for some of these people, like, you know, the alphabets, whoever, who are like, oh yeah, by the way, you've now got to go do probably the hardest role in the world. I know. I know the whole, like when with Wicked, they were, you know, and everybody was like, oh, they're calling all the ex-alphabets to like be on standby. I mean, if you can even remember the show, even remember what you're supposed to say and sing, but then to just like be like, oh, sure, I can sing all of those 11 o'clock numbers back to back and sing some of the highest. Yeah, sure. No worries. That is literally anxiety dreams that I still have (laughs) being thrown into Wicked and having to like play all the roles. It's a dream I still have. And I'm like, why is this still haunting me? Because I love Wicked. I look back on it so fondly. It was a big, huge part of my career and a lot of ups and downs, but still gives me anxiety. They did not call Teal. She's probably said, I probably said enough in things that I don't think I could do Alphabet again. So they, they heard me. Don't set them a challenge, please. We all know what they're like. They're like, oh, that person that said they'd never do it. We love a challenge at Wicked. So, you know. Yeah, they're like, hmm? I, By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be like, yeah, she's done three shows. I'm like, it's like it doesn't even work now. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we've spoken too much about all these random other things. And there's one very specific thing that I want to talk to you about. I'm also terrible at pronunciation. So I feel like I'm going to say the name of this theatre wrong. So please correct my British accent. But is it Abingdon? Is that the right way to say it? Oh, theater? yeah, Abingdon. I was like freaking out the whole way into the introduction. Like, I'm going to say this wrong and she's going to be like, you're incompetent. We don't even know what it's called. Okay, (laughs) Abingdon Theatre Company. Basically, they're celebrating Broadway, which is the most important thing. And my favourite part of that, basically audiences are going to get to just do exactly what I wish I could do right now is listen to you sing, probably belt, and go through some amazing songs. So I'm going to shut up. Can you please tell me, an evening with Tilwicks, what does it include? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit because it's... Because it's been so long since I performed, it's... I've been listening to so much music over music is just my like my safety it's my like warm safety blanket so I basically probably have about 10 separate concerts of material in my head of just I'm like oh I want to do this I want to do that and I get very overly excited and ambitious so I'm still trying to figure out what exactly it is but it really is kind of little glimpse into the songs and the artists that inspire me the most and the songs that really resonate with me especially like throughout the pandemic coming out of this i hope i won't have too many i'm trying not to have too many like sad songs because i mean everybody loves like a sad power ballad Mm -hmm. everybody loves that nothing like two years unemployed and a you know global pandemic to make power ballads all the rage (laughs) but it's yeah just a glimpse sort of into a lot of the music and songs and artists that I just love and that move me it'll be it's usually a mix of it's a little bit of theater it's not a ton of theater musical theater um and I might add a few more songs but it's it's some some things from some of my favorite shows like like Hedwig is one of my absolute favorite shows and so um if i can ever sing a song from that show i will because i just i love that show so much um and then definitely some like old throwback standards just because i love me some jazzy jazzy uh soul songs and then definitely a mix of a lot of rock folk uh artists and whatnot Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just kind of the music that fuels my soul. And that's so fun about this this concert that Abingdon's doing. It's at this really cool venue called Dwayne Park, which is downtown, like on the Bowery. Hence why the concert series that they're doing is called Broadway on the Bowery. Um, and it's just 
So it has this great downtown New York vibe, which I just love taking Broadway. We, we associate it very much with a very specific spot in New York City around, you know, the theater district and all of that. But to like go downtown and then the space is this beautiful, it feels like a 1920s, almost feels like you're transported to like Paris in the 1920s. And it's this great space that they, there's a lot of burlesque performances that happen there and whatnot. So I'm also trying to embrace that sort of vibe just because it I, I've been to the space before and sang at a, a gala there for Abingdon before and I was like this I just love the vibe here and it just makes you want to you know sing a bunch of like Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday and then also get in some cool like for me I'm thinking of like New York iconic sort of downtown New York artists like Patti Smith or like Velvet Underground and all of these like even Tom Waits and yeah and mixing that with a little with a little bit of Broadway so that was a really long explanation. That's good. And I like the fact that it feels like the audience will get to see lots of different sides of you, not just in terms of who you are as an individual, but also vocally, because a lot of those artists are very different. So I can imagine for yeah. you, it's quite nice to be like, you know, I can do, as we sort of joked at the start, like the belty Broadway stuff, but I can also do the vulnerable stuff and also do the, the blues stuff as well. I mean, that sort of yeah. feels like the best sort of mashup ever. I mm. mean, yes, it's like I could sing like... Tealwix's greatest hits, which I don't really know what those are because, I don't know. Um, but there's also you can there's there's a lot of footage. You know, I'm on cast albums. You can hear me sing that song. I probably sang it really good on that because obviously it was in a studio and mixed and all of that. And that's sort of your snapshot, perfect version of like that song. So I get that. I love being able to see what artists love like what music draw that they're drawn to and what has inspired them and influenced them and see them bring that to life so and also i always wanted to be in a rock band so any any opportunity i have to try to like live out my rock star fantasies selfishly i'm gonna do that are you the sort of person that likes to lean into their legacy in terms of the career and the roles that you've done or are you the sort of person that respects it and understands the audience that you get but actually you want to show more of you as an artist as sort of generally because some people they will only perform the hits they've done on stage and I completely get that and respect that some people are the complete opposite I guess how does it play out for you I'm the I'm the the latter I'm the opposite I like because there's a lot of times certain songs and certain performances I feel like just don't work so well outside of the show and and also when I what I love so much about the shows I've done and, and the beautiful, what I love about my career is that I've played a lot of different characters and I love going full into, into those characters and along with that comes costume, wardrobe, context for, you know, where the songs come in the show. And it, sometimes it's hard for me to remove, to take those take some of that content outside of the show and just put it on teal. Like when you're coming to see a night of teal wicks, you're, you're seeing teal. Like I'm not playing a character. Mm -hmm. And so there's also some songs that I, I love playing characters. And there's a very, there's a very vulnerable being up on stage as yourself and presenting yourself and being like, this is me. This is me without costumes and paint and other actors and all of that. Um, and there's certain, and sometimes playing a character is a very safe way to show other sides of you because you're like, 
you know, this is a character. That's that's not Teal's thoughts. That's um, that Cher's thoughts. You know, that's like what Cher is saying, not Teal. So then when so there's there's a little bit of a safety there. So there are some songs and some things that honestly I'm just even just scared to sing as just Teal Wicks alone because I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know, that's too, that's too revealing, or, or they'll be like, or it doesn't work, or they'll be like, what is she doing? That's weird. Also, like, studio cast albums and specifically, like, YouTube, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm in favour of people putting favourite performances, they sing concerts or whatever, if you're allowed to, that's fine, but it's always the videos that make it to social media are of closing night performances, or, like, when someone's completely filling themselves, and absolutely they should do what they can do within their means, but, you know, to do that consistently eight times a week is just the most <laughs> unrealistic thing ever and it's like yeah. of course they're not going to be able to do that and sometimes I feel like it might add a little bit of extra pressure when like you say it comes to you know this is a concert all of me and I've got to sing continuously for like two hours I'm not going to be able to do that riff that you like or I did on an album on eight goes and I can imagine as an artist that, that must be quite challenging yeah it is it really is there's there's tons of expectation and you know fit if you're lucky enough to have a fan base and and we're at this sort of place with with social media and with all of that 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 even people who have who have had just at the start of their careers or maybe have only done really small things still their content can get out there and they can get a, mm. a fan base just from like you know doing this doing a production of carousel at, at a regional theater it's amazing that there's that type of exposure for performers but it's also really scary because it means that everything's out there and that means that there are people that want specific things and love specific things and you know there are people that probably are like i don't want to see teal sing like a patty smith song like i don't care i don't want her to sing that i don't that doesn't interest me or like i don't want to watch teal live out her her dreams of playing hedwig by singing like a hedwig song you know they're like mm. but that's you know that's why when it comes down to it i'm like i gotta stick to the things that i love and that move me and hope that people will somehow be drawn into it and enjoy it i know you gotta you know it comes down to it you gotta trust your own instincts and and just go with what you love and what moves you because if you do what you love and try to tell you know bring this part and have open your heart up then people will receive that and hopefully whether they like the song or not or think you sound amazing or not they'll still somehow be moved because you're so connected to the material yep. so that's kind of my goal so. do you accept now that you have those people yeah sure not everyone will love everything that's fine that's sort of the beauty of life but you do have that core fan base that do really want to see more of you. I know it's amazing. There are times where I'm still like, I can't believe that whatever I do on stage that people like it enough that they'll keep <laughs> coming back to see me. That like, you know, that that the, the fact that I was asked to do this concert, I I was like that's amazing that that the theater and that they believe that there's enough people out there that would be interested in seeing just me without mm. all of the other things that you know come when you see me at a show standing up there as myself performing is way more frightening and way more nerve-wracking than doing a broadway show like being the lead in a broadway show because you're being like this is me and you may not like all of this and that but this is all i have to offer because i don't have sets and costumes and fancy lights and other things to hide behind this is just me and so it's very nice to know that so far, it seems like some people are still interested, so. 
are there specific chapters in your career that if you engage with those fans that that love you and have followed you as a performer that that do get mentioned rather a lot for example the first thing i want to talk to you about is the jekyll and hyde recordings because i'm obsessed but that's just me oh. and there are other people that well, i'm sure we'll talk about wicked or finding neverland or whatever it might be are there are there specific things you notice a bit of a pattern about yeah yeah, it's so funny. Jekyll and Hyde is definitely one of them with that, that um, our concept album. A lot of people haven't, did, haven't seen the show. But yeah, with Jekyll and Hyde, because we did a tour, but a very limited run on Broadway. So not a lot of people, some people saw it and some people didn't. A lot of people did not. But we have the, our, the concept album, which was very, very cool and was really fun to make. And I'm very proud of that. That was my first, like, real concept album stepping in and and being in a studio and yeah recording things that then became an album that people buy so there's that wicked is a big one it is funny though a lot of like a lot of people know my my version of alphabet from whatever clips exist out there in the mm-hmm. on the youtube world and whatnot and i'm always impressed when fans <laughs> will be like i you're so amazing. I love your Alphaba. I've never seen you in person perform, but I've seen, but I've seen, watched all of your t- clips and all of that. But I get it though, because that, I mean, I'm a lot older than a lot of these people, but I still was young-ish when we had YouTube and have clips. And there were definitely videos of, of people and like past Alphabas and whatnot before I was hired to actually do Wicked. I would watch these videos and like one of my favorite alphabas I've, I've seen i saw wicked in person when i was younger and i saw it with idina um it was idina and jennifer laura thompson i think were doing it when i saw it it was a long time ago i saw a lot of videos of julia murney playing alphaba and i watched a lot of other women who had been alphaba at that point their videos that were uh on youtube and whatnot but something about julia just i loved I just love her in general I've been a big fan of hers even beforehand but something about her interpretation of Elphaba just really hit hit me in a very resonated really well with me and so I was like she's my favorite Elphaba <laughs> and it's just it, I never saw her do it live I blah, 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 but just the videos alone and it is kind of amazing how even just that content can really impact people and so I don't know that just I find that interesting with fans Especially even with the Share Show, for some people who never saw the Share Show but love it because they love the cast recording, and have watched a few videos that have made it onto the internet. So that kind of always just surprises me. I'm like, wow. I guess. Wow. I guess we did really well. <laughs> I guess that cast album's really great because you don't even know what's going on because you have no idea what's going on in the show because you never saw it. But cool you accept that you are also that to a lot of other people if you take the Julia example like a lot of people who I, I imagine who have played or are playing the alphabet or who are in potentially obviously like there, I know there's a UK touring probably West End production of the share show about to happen like yeah. like you will be that sort of inspiration and that person they look up to do you do you think about that side of it I do and it's it's amazing I never wanted to I was, I was talking about this with some friends the other night, some actor friends the other night, and I was really, I never really wanted to be, like, famous, not to say that I'm famous, but, like, that was not why I pursued this career I pursued, but I, I basically wanted to be fancy enough that people would hire me to do all the things that I wanted to do. I wanted people to be like, oh, we have to work with Teal because she's amazing, because I just wanted to 
do great roles and do great shows and all of that. Caroline Bowman, who, do you know Caroline Bowman? Yeah. Yes. She's also, yeah. she's now Elsa on in uh, Frozen. She did a solo concert a, a while ago and asked me to come and sing. And, she, and on stage when we were doing this, she's like, I have to, to tell you that like you were my favorite Elphaba before she ever did it. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, but it's just, it, I still find it surprising that I am a person that people might look up to or might be inspired by and all of that. But it's also incredibly amazing because I know how powerful the performers that inspired me, how meaningful they are to me and how specific and how unique that my connection to them is. So it's very rewarding thinking that what I'm doing on stage is sort of continuing in that line and then inspiring other people who then might be that caliber again, you know? It's it's just nice to be a part of that that ongoing legacy of uh, powerful performances and inspiring performances. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because I feel like I'm going on really long tangents. No, not at all. Honestly, <laughs> I've interviewed people where they go, yes, and you're like, great, that's such a fantastic podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're like, thank you. I'm like, she's okay. good, yay. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One thing undeniable is your vocal talent. And you have this incredible tone of your voice that I think if you were to line up loads of belty singers and be like, sing the same thing, I think people would be able to pick up your voice straight away. It's so exquisite and so unique. And I wondered, but people that have unique voices, like I remember interviewing Julia Manny, she was like, it took me years to like my voice, like to realize that being different was a good thing. Did you have that? Because I feel like when you have a gift and your voice is very much a gift, it's a journey that you have to go on with yourself before you can give it to other people. I like I, I like my voice. When I was younger and starting out, I definitely, I, I this is not humble, but like I was very fortunate to be able to sing almost anything I wanted to sing. Like I could sing soprano and I could also sing and belt like the, like I wanted to be, I always joke that my musical inspiration for a long time, it was Julie Andrews and Janis Joplin. And I was, <laughs> and so when I was younger, I would try to just sing all of that. And luckily I had vocal cords that were strong enough to sustain it for a little bit to do all those different things. So I was very proud that I, could be that I could sing in all these different ways and I when I would try to sing different styles and in different ways it w I was more or less successful and people seemed to be impressed by it so I was kind of like oh cool but I don't think it was until maybe like in the middle of my career when I started having to maybe listen to myself more listen to recordings more actually and being aware of where I sort of fit in like the grand scope of like my peers as performers and that's when I think I started getting a bit critical and paid much more attention to how I sang and what I sang. No, you know what it was? Here's what it is. I had some vocal injuries when I was halfway through my like three years of Wicked. I was singing, you know, Elphaba and I didn't have as much discipline as I needed to. Coming out of that and trying to figure out how to continue my career and be a strong, safe singer, but still be a powerful, impressive singer, 
I definitely became far more critical and I'm still at the point where I'm still working on that. I like my voice. I recognize that it's unique and it's cool and I like what it can do and I like that I can sing a lot of the songs that I love and want to sing, but she's not perfect. But I don't think perfection is an actual thing that you can achieve. I still hear so many singers that I'm like, oh god, I just, oh, I wish I could make those sounds. Those sounds are so perfect and amazing. And and I do love unique voices. Like, I'm on board. Like, I don't yeah. need vocal perfection. I need honest, emotional storytelling with hopefully some really cool, beautiful sounds in between. Also, I feel like I need to apologize. I feel like I set up that question to sound like you sound like a gremlin when you sing. It was so, no. like, you're so unique. And you were like, um, no. okay. <laughs> no, I love that. I take that. That means a lot to me. Because I do know, I am, I do have a unique voice. I have, I don't really know what, I don't know how to describe it, but I don't know. I've had enough people, you know, mention it. So I guess I have to believe it. I'm like, oh, cool. One person that definitely has the language to be able to support how much he loves your voice is your friend, Seth Rosetsky, who I loved when you were doing that live stream of when you sort of did a little reunion of the share show with Michaela oh, yeah. and Stephanie, when he pointed out your placement in Wizard and I, which again, this is a really geeky specific moment, but he was just like, yeah, she doesn't really help herself in that she sort of elongates the E sound in her voice, but yeah, it's absolutely beautiful what you do. I mean, you do sort of set yourself up for a little bit of a hard time sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's true. And the problem is, I don't necessarily know exactly what I'm doing and how I'm doing that, um, which is going to now make me sound like I don't know what I'm doing and why am I professional and like, take our equity card away. <laughs> but <laughs> things that lock in, which I'm very lucky that they when they lock in, they lock in in a great way. Um, and sometimes they don't lock in. And that's when I'm like, okay, we're going to have to figure that out. But there are certain times where I don't really know how or why. It just... It worked out very well. Yeah, especially on the E. That's, I don't know how. I hate, I, I hate long-held E's, like, and I don't, I forget what note that is, but it's probably like a B-flat or something like that, which is usually my mm. my uh, Achilles heel note. I'm always like, ugh, don't make me. But it's also where your voice sounds so gorgeous. Like, it's weird, because you hate it, but yet we love it. So it's like, no, 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 do that thing that you actually hate doing more and more and more, please. You're like, fuck off, like, leave uh, me alone. It's funny, it's funny, like, also doing share because there were three of us the keys were kind of all over the place some things were in shares normal key but some things weren't and then because there were three of us we had a lot of harmonies but I would often be like can I have the higher harmony and I would realize like I have a lot of depth and I have a lot of low notes in my voice which is I think why I was able to get share because I was like mm. oh I can I can power out those chunky big you know full-throated back like vocals but I also needed breaks because the other part of my voice was like, girl, we need to come visit up here a little bit because she's getting tired down here. We need to like, get out there. Um, <laughs> but it's doing that show, I, I just kind of got a lot of insight into my voice that I maybe didn't, I, I guess I knew, but I didn't pay as much attention to because I was like, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, there, there's a lot of range and we got to, kind of keep some of the higher notes going because otherwise we're going to burn out and not be able to sing anything. Also, you were sort of starring alongside one of the greatest vocalists of our generation in Miss Stephanie J. Block, which yeah. you're sort of like, excuse me, do you want to just give some of the other ones of us a chance now? Thank you. Like <laughs> the, the, the placement, the way she presents, it's, it, it's, it, it's ridiculous, right? Like even as a, as a so colleague, good. you might be like, we just pack it in. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah. There are times where we would just be like, ooh, 
I, Michaela and I, you know, we'd be like off stage with certain certain songs, and we're like, mmm, mmm, mm-hmm. And there are times I'd be like, and we're all, you know, singing a lot of the same stuff, and I'd still be like, how does she, how does Steph, how does she make that happen? And then there's Michaela, who's going to be, she, I mean, mm -hmm. she already has definitely made a name for herself, but like, I mean, she's, she's incredible. She's, yeah. talk about like, you have Steph, who is like, established, established, me in the middle, whatever. Established, <laughs> I don't know established, what I am. I'll say <laughs> it. I don't know, but not Steph. And then you have like Michaela that is like on the trajectory to be like epic, epic, huge, 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 huge Broadway star. Bigger than me, comparable to Steph, maybe, I mean, who even knows? But there are times I'd listen to that girl sing and I was like, oh, how? How? <laughs> it's so good. It was so we... fun. That show was so fun to listen to everybody sing. Oh, the I cast agree. album is so good as well. It's so freaking good. You're just like, yes. Because yeah. I'll be honest, I was a bit like, mm, the share show, okay. But I think that's the right reaction. I remember you and I had this discussion about like, actually people having an opinion on it before they come is actually a good thing because we can prove them wrong. And you yeah. definitely did that. Exactly. And, and yeah, they come in and the best thing for us is people leaving, basically having their mind changed or being like, I did not expect that. I did not think that was going to happen. I mean, I can't speak for all three of us, but we talked about it a lot. So I feel like genu generally we had the idea that like what was the most powerful, meaningful thing to us was the sort of empowered, uh, you know, pick yourself up, like you get knocked down, but you get back up you brush yourself off and like keep going and that sort of that being being able to be strong and to figure out how to really own your self and own your courage and stand in your mistakes and move forward and finding empowerment out of that like that was very very meaningful to us and there are a lot of I mean, yes, because of a share, a lot of women, you know, obviously relate to that and found that very, very moving. And that was one of the best things talking to people at the stage door was just how inspired and how empowered a lot of these people felt. And we were like, yes, that is that is what we are trying to do with this show. Yes, we're trying to give you, you know, fun share and like gorgeous Mackie and all of that. But like the reason why Cher is who she is is because she is a badass and she feels like a goddess warrior even though she's made so many mistakes and has not had an easy life, but like she still continues to thrive somehow because she is just, she just, well, she just keeps moving forward. Um, I would love to talk to you about Finding Neverland because it is obviously where we had that photograph taken. I saw the show and I loved it. But you got to work with one of the UK's greatest exports and that's Mr. Gary Barlow, who is like, I don't know how big take that is in the United States. Music is very different, but he's like God tier in terms of music here. Like he's like an actual superstar. And, you know, yeah. I remember going to the launch in the UK and it was like, you know, like Obama had just arrived. There was like security, like you have to stand back. And I was like, I've been invited to this. Like they, they asked me to come, but it was like superstar. And then obviously he talks about the songs and he's just an absolute genius. What was it like getting that front row seat, getting to not just work on something with him, but also get to originate something with someone like him? Oh gosh, he, he was so, so sweet. And yes, so I honestly didn't realize, like, take that I knew that they existed I had heard of them so I knew that he was a big deal and it was funny I remember not during rehearsals but like during previews so when all of the creatives are around still um, 
there were people who came to the show and were at the stage door for him specifically, which I was like, oh, this is this is a big, big deal. But God, he was so sweet. And him and Elliot, because they wrote together, like they were just, <laughs> they were so sweet. They were so fun and just, just very, very approachable. Like Gary was very, very approachable, very, uh, it was just interesting because it, knowing how big a star he is, I did not get that in the room from him. He just seemed like somebody who knew what he was doing and mm. was confident in what he was doing and what the music that they were writing. And and they were always just so approachable and so kind and fun, like easy to just joke around with if, if the opportunity, if we ever had, you know, we're just like sitting around trying to figure out music. And I remember during previews, the opening number, like near the end of rehearsals and tech and into previews, the opening number, they everybody's trying to figure out what it was and it kept evolving. It kept like shifting and evolving and shifting and evolving. And they completely rewrote, they like cut the opening number at, completely at one point, then made a new one. And we rehearsed it in a day basically and put it in that night. And I remember Gary and Elliot were both like, <laughs> they were like, don't worry Teal because Mary Berry didn't have a lot to do, um, and sort of the opening number, she sort of introduces, she's a part of it and introducing sort of like Barry to the, to the, all the people at the party and, and all this, whatever. So there was like a little moment and they're like, Teal, we don't want to take away this moment because it is important to establish who she is and why we, why we have her in the rest of the show. And so we got to figure out, well, what to do. And there was some like, there were some solo bits in the original thing that I did in the original number and then that was cut and they're like, we're trying to figure it out. <laughs> and they wrote in that like, let's drink champagne line oh, yeah. that I sing. That's like the big thing. <laughs> and they're like, we're giving you at least one moment where you can just like <laughs> do what you do best and just like belt it out and just da da da. And it's just very, very sweet. And I always remember that, that like they, specifically thought about me and even though Mary Berry is you know whatever like fifth in the like line and like the leads you know like number five in the principal lead roles of the show that it was important to them to keep to give me something that still felt showy and s still felt special and they wanted to make sure that I didn't lose a featured moment and that that's very very kind of them to do yeah. that and makes you as an artist feel very very supportive and feel like uh, that they were like, yes, and this is important. This is important for our show because we trust you and we love what you do and we want to make sure that you get to be highlighted as much as possible. It's such a special show. I know that there's this continuing talk about London. I know that they keep saying it's going to happen. It lives on. It's definitely not the end. I know that I've read lots of interviews with Gary and the team that there's going to be an opportunity for more and more people based on the fact that it was such a success on the national tour. I know Broadway's yes. a really tricky beast. I know that it's difficult for even the most established shows, never mind something that's brand new. So I'm keeping yeah. keeping everything crossed. And to be honest, like the West End would really love it. Like Gary oh. is such a superstar. And I think the story itself and and I, and I don't know, maybe this could be my opportunity to convince you to come to London. Maybe we could finally <gasps> get you for ourselves. I feel like I feel like you might say I, yes to this. I am so ready. I am so ready to be I've always wanted to do the West End. It's my dream. It's like, it's on my bucket list. That's why for a minute with like share shows, like if share shows go to the West End, I could do that. Everything has evolved and changed within the last like two years, but I would love to, to go to the West End. I've only been to London a few times and I'm dying to be there for 
a steady amount of time so I can really embrace it and really enjoy it. Um, mm. But yeah, but Finding Neverland, it really is such a special show. I, every, every single night for the full run of that show, maybe, you know, minus like a couple, a couple of performances, I would stand in the wings watching that final nursery scene where they do the play in the nursery. That's like 10 minutes, I think, maybe of the show. Uh, and I think it's some of the most beautiful theatrical staging and musical moments that I've ever seen in a show. And I would just stand off stage and just watch, watch it because it moved me so much. And, and that company, that company and that cast was such an incredible group of people. And we really bonded right off the top. Like it, and it was the perfect, perfect example of like the trickle down effect. Like we, with Matthew Morrison as our lead, he's such a gracious, fun, fun, dedicated performer, but he very, it's as important to him to make sure that like the company as a whole feels like a family as it is for, you know, him doing really well in his role. He understands how important it is for the company as a whole to feel like a family. And then you have Kelsey Grammer, who just is hilarious and wild and so fun and so much more like, I, I don't he, it was just amazing hanging out with Kelsey and how open he would just be like, oh yeah, oh, I'll joke around and whatnot. And then Laura Michelle Kelly, who's just like an angel, who's just like mm. a wonderful, beautiful little fairy. <laughs> it was this beautiful, just like group and it was a trickle down effect. And we had so, we had just such a wonderful time as a company and everybody, everybody in the company was very open to everyone. Like it, it just very embracing and family and so it was it was really special and I feel like it really comes to life in the show I hope that it has continues a life somewhere Definitely. there's been so much talk and I know the pandemic obviously put a stop to that but I think fingers crossed good things come to those that those yeah. that wait and I feel like I feel like it's gonna especially because you know like how Bonnie and Clyde had the brief run on Broadway but then the cast album made it sore yes. the same thing definitely happened with Finding Neverland it's the cast album all the way I mean all that matters is like that song oh. it gets churned out all the time good and bad but like it's it's like yeah. so, it, the songs have become so good and it's one of those albums where I call it like a no skip where it doesn't matter what song comes on I'm like, I like this song. I know this yes. song. There's, there's only one song I can't listen to, and that's the finale, because I think Carolee's version of it is just when she sings oh. about she left the stars up in the sky, and it's like, it's too emotional. Yeah. I can't, it's so beautiful. Oh, God, yes. I know. And Carolee, just her, oh, yeah. Do you, are you a fan of the um, the album that has all of the, the like, pop stars on it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, like, one of the first times, I think, pre-Greatest Showman, where, like, Obviously, I know Hamilton did it, and I know it has been done before, but like it got the music world singing Broadway, which I feel like really helps. So we should do this more often. Yes, and it's and those songs, especially with Finding Neverland and with with Gary and Elliot, with their musical right, their skills as writers, like the fact that these songs still work in a musical as storytelling, you know, plot forwarding songs, but also can still be super entertaining as standalone songs. Almost all of them. You know, there might be a few that, you know, are kind of just work the best in the musical, but there are so many from it that work as standalone. But, like, Believe, which feels feels like a quirky, like, little Beatles, kind of like Yellow Submarine throwback kind of vibe. It's, it's really cool. 
thank you so much for going through so much of your career. I know that we talked about at the beginning about the fact that you like talking about certain things and, and not others. So thank you so much for deep diving with some of these very niche and specific things. And I make no apologies about the fact that I am obsessed with you. And I don't say it to that many people, but I'm going to continue to say it. And I look forward to the fact that we can have hopefully maybe a conversation in person where you're not like, yes, we'll take a picture. I'm at stage door. We can actually have a proper conversation, but just thank you oh, so much. Yes, we absolutely should. That'd be so wonderful. That's so much fun. I love yeah. I love the great questions, good insight. It was fun. And I don't even know how how long it's been going on because obviously it's been a really good time and I go off on tangents. So thank you. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.